Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHer Con is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Number one, get educated. And number two, take action even when you're scared. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. I want to introduce to you Ash Patel. He's a full-time commercial real estate investor. He's going to be doing the interview today and a lot of them moving forward. I'm still going to be doing interviews, just not as many. And he is going to ask tough questions while still building rapport. That way it's not awkward. He's a good friend of mine. Join me in welcoming Ash Patel. Hello, best ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Ash Patel and I'm with our guest today, Lisa Hilton. Lisa is joining us from Los Angeles, California. She's a full-time real estate investor and has 10 years of experience. She has passively invested in five deals to date and is also a GP in a fund. Lisa, thank you for joining us. And how are you today? I'm doing good. How are you? Wonderful. Thank you. Before we get started, can you tell us a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Yes. So my background is accounting. So I went to school for accounting, became certified public accountant, spent 10 years in public accounting um, in audit, auditing financial services companies, primarily all types of funds. So private equity, hedge funds, the whole nine yards, four and a half years as a controller on private equity, real estate funds at a large investment manager here in the Los Angeles area. During that time, I learned about real estate syndications and made my first investment, which then turned into five investments and then decided I wanted to build a real estate syndication business. So I had built a runway for myself financially and decided this is as good as a time as ever to take the plunge into entrepreneurship and to build. So that's where I'm at today. Incredible amount of financial background. Wow. Okay. So what was your first investment to real estate? My first investment was buying a townhouse in the Cayman Islands where I'm from. I was in my early 20s. I bought a two and a half bath townhouse. I bought it because I loved it. And everyone around me was, oh, you need to buy something. The pressure of home ownership. So I caved and I purchased because I loved it. But then with the intention of renting it out, rented it out. 
And yeah, it broke even the first year, lost money every single year for six years. <laughs> During that time, I was an in-country landlord for the first year and out-of-state landlord for the rest of the whole period because I was in Cayman for four years after college working with the same company who I then left and to work with in Boston for four years and then LA for another two years with that company. So about a year after I moved to LA, I decided to sell it. After getting a bill in the email for about over a thousand dollars, I was like, no way, this has got to go. So wait, yeah. wait, well, sorry to cut you off. Hold on. Yeah. Your financial background Yes. And you lost money on this deal. That's right. Explain That's right. that to me. This doesn't yes. add up. I'm glad you say that because I meet investors all the time who only think about rent and they don't remember all of the expenses. So for me, the rent would come in. I know I had mortgage, but I also had strata on this, which is HOA fees. So there were HOA fees and all kind of other expenses. So at the end of the day, as I said, I broke even the first year and then lost money every single year after that. So I definitely learned a lot of lessons. And as a result, when I sold that property, I was, there's no way I'm doing real estate ever again. So this um, game is a lot so yeah. harder than it seems, isn't it? <laughs> yes. And then when you sold it, did you not get some appreciation on the property? Well, actually not really because at the time that I sold it, I think maybe when I went into the property, I purchased it for too much. That's what okay. I think. And then the market situations were just not an ideal time, but I was ready to be out and I just needed enough money to pay my mortgage and not have to deal with it again. All right. So now you've got me jaded on real estate. Are we diving back into it or are we done with it? So I said no more real estate, Hell right? No, no more. And I say the universe has a sense of humor because a year later I took a job working as a controller on private equity real estate funds. And I said, oh, clearly people can make money investing in real estate. You need to know what you're doing though. <laughs> so that's when I began the education process. That was around 2016. And that's when I began the education process, listening to lots of podcasts, bigger pockets, the whole nine yards, this podcast included, and just getting out there, learning a lot. I started with reading books. I started with wanting to buy a duplex or triplex here in Los Angeles. When I saw the price tags of one point something million dollars for a duplex, I said, yeah, probably not. And then on top of that, those kind of duplexes even require additional money to be pumped in after you buy it. I said, yeah, that's not going to work for me. So I then looked at turnkeys out of state and was looking at that for a while. But given my earlier experience, I was definitely way more conservative when it came to the numbers. Just couldn't pull the trigger. So I went to Detroit, Alabama, a couple of different cities looking for properties, but just wasn't convicted. And then about a year or so later, I discovered real estate syndication just randomly. I wasn't really looking for it. And I just met someone who was doing it. And I was like, oh, wow, this is really interesting. It made me think about my job because I was like, oh, this is like what we do, but this is for regular people as opposed to what we do is for large institutional investors. So that's how I got started. How many years ago was this? Fall of 2018 is when I met the person. And in the winter 2019 is when I got introduced to real estate syndications. And what was your introduction to syndications? 
It just so happened I was doing this landmark program and I met a woman who was there. She was a participant and we were just talking and the program ended in the spring of 2019 and someone else said, Hey, let's exchange business cards. So we did. And then I saw on her business card that she was a real estate investor. And I was like, Oh my goodness, I've been interested in investing, but all the turnkey and all this stuff. And they just couldn't pull the trigger. She goes, yeah, let's connect. And I actually didn't connect with her until a month later, maybe two months later, I was cleaning out my bag. I was on a staycation here in LA and I saw her card and I was like, oh my goodness, I never called her. So I finally called her and that's how she then told me, this is what I do. And I go, oh, and she had an opportunity available and we were like, okay, yeah, let's talk about it. And that's how I got started investing. Good. And what was that opportunity? Was it multifamily? Yes, that was a multifamily opportunity in Atlanta, 600 units. So yes. And you're skeptical at this point on real estate investment. So I would imagine you dove into the numbers and really did your due diligence. What was that like? That was like one, looking at the market. So getting a look at where is this asset? Secondly, getting a hang of who is running the asset. So who are the asset managers? What are their roles? What is their experience and track record? So I looked it up online to see, okay, have they done this stuff before to get comfortable? And then once I was comfortable with one, the location, which I liked Atlanta as a city in terms of job growth, population growth, so strong fundamentals, and where specifically this property was located, which was Northeast Atlanta. I felt very comfortable based on what I saw in terms of population in that area, as well as income level of that neighborhood. And I got comfortable with the sponsor themselves. I then looked at the returns to sort of see, okay, is this in alignment with how I would want my money to be growing? Do I feel that the way in which the deal is structured, they're in alignment with me as an investor? Is there a preferred return and how are the splits? And once I looked at that and I felt comfortable, I said, okay, I'm willing to try and take a risk at making this investment. So yeah. And Lisa, what were the projected returns on that deal? I believe the projected returns was maybe an IRR, somewhere about maybe 15 or 16%, somewhere there, and equity multiple of maybe about 1.5, 1.6. And how has that investment panned out? The investment has actually gone full cycle and they have ended up selling it. So that investment sold earlier this year. And in terms of performance, it was an asset that was a class C even though the neighborhood itself was fairly decent neighborhood. So that particular asset didn't perform as per the projected returns, but they felt that, okay, given what was going on with COVID, so it was definitely impacted by COVID in in terms of tenants not being able to pay their rents and then them not being able to really fulfill the business plan as they anticipated. So once they saw that, they were like, okay, we're going to go ahead and sell this asset. So they've sold it. I believe it's about 30% greater than the purchase price. And then in terms of returns, I believe that it was projected to be about, I think 1.2 or so. So it was definitely lower than what was anticipated. So your IRR might've been around 10 to 12? I think it was about 10 to 12 or 13% IRR. And in your book, is that a win? In my book, I think that they did the right thing. 
yes, I would like the return to be better. So in the end, I think overall it is a win because they were willing to go with what was going on in the market. And even though they had their business plan, they sort of said, okay, listen, this is what's going on in the market. And as an accountant, I could look at the quarterly reports that they were sending, and I could see that the NOI is dropping each quarter that they're sending this. So I could see that it would be beneficial for them to get out so people can get their money back with whatever friends is going to come back, and then we can move on. So, yeah. so Lisa, I would imagine you're pretty nervous when you saw those quarterly reports. How was the communication from the syndicator? They were pretty good in terms of communication. So they communicated on a quarterly basis, the rent roles, as well as the P&L. They're professionally done. So you can see everything very clearly. And then on a monthly basis, they're giving you updates to sort of say, hey, this is what's going on with the property. So before the sale, they were at least letting you know, okay, yeah, the business plan is as such. And I also, during 2020, they suspended distributions. So you also knew that, okay, yeah, this is what's going on. And this is the reason why they're choosing to suspend distributions. And did you have flashbacks from your Cayman Island investment thinking, oh no, not another one? No, not really. Because like, I felt that when you invest in real estate, you know that you're taking a risk. And I think that the biggest piece is being able to get your money back. And at least in this case, this one, at least that has fulfilled out to be good. All the other deals I've invested in to date have performed fairly well. And I have invested in another deal in the Atlanta area, and that one has performed very strongly, but it's a different class. Okay. What was your next investment after this? My next investment was also in Atlanta. It was a 250 unit apartment building. So The same again, operator? No, different okay. operator. So 150 units in Gainesville and 100 units in Norcross in Atlanta. And this particular asset is also selling. The sale is going through the end of this month. So money is supposed to be coming back sometime in July. And what you know now about operators, would you have done something different on that very first syndication? Would you have still invested with that person or that entity? Hmm, that's a great question. I think that what I know now, one of the things that I do differently these days is I'm a little bit more skeptical in terms of asset class. So yes, that operator did have track record and the whole nine yards, but I prefer to play in the B area and less in the C area personally. I do recognize that C has capability for higher returns, but I prefer the Bs. And in that C property, was part of their business plan to do renovations and increase yes, rent? Yes. Were they able to do those renovations? Not completely, no, because okay. of COVID. Okay. So yeah. your next investment, what were the numbers like? So as we're getting ready to sell this particular one now, going in, the anticipated IRR is around 16%. And the projected IRR currently, as we are now exiting, is around 25%-ish. All right. Um, positive so, momentum. So yeah, so this one's way stronger. And in terms of cash flow, they've paid all through COVID and it was an 8% preferred return. So they've hit that through and through every single year and then now selling the property. So yeah, very strong. 
This That's a win. It strong. helps make up for the previous loss. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then what came after that? After that, I then invested in industrial property in Phoenix, Arizona. So this is a sale lease buyback. Single tenant, so there is a risk there, but the tenant is someone who has very long business record in terms of being in business, as well as the products that they produce. They produce for a variety of different types of businesses. So I felt very comfortable there. And then the people who are actually setting up the sale lease buybacks, this is what they singly focus on. So they only do sale lease buybacks is their business. And so, what yeah. are the projected numbers on that industrial deal? These ones are a bit stronger and the preferred return is also an 8%, but the cash flows have been 9 to 10% a year so far. And then in terms of return, I believe it's also 16%, like somewhere in that area as well in terms of IRR. Okay. And what is the due diligence required for an industrial investment versus a multifamily? So a little bit different. Two things. I would prefer to stick from a passive investor's perspective, as opposed to being an operator of industrial because I'm not an operator of industrial. <laughs> so from a passive investor looking at industrial property versus a multifamily property. So industrial property, one of the first things that I look at is similar to multifamily. I'm getting comfortable with where the asset is located. And then secondly, the operator. So understanding what their track record is in this type of investment strategy. Have they done this before? And understanding that. And then also understanding, okay, you're doing a sale lease buyback. Can we talk about this tenant? What is their risk profile? How long have they been in business and what is their business? Are they just servicing one client or are they servicing many different clients? How can they pivot? How can they provide different expertise across different clients? So for me, that's important as opposed to investing in a deal where the business, the particular client that's renting is only servicing one particular business. And that's different from multifamily because multifamily, obviously you have tons of different stores and different rents and you're looking at rent comps, expenses, that kind of stuff. So it's a little bit different in that regard. Okay. So a sale leaseback, this entity already mm -hmm. owned the building. How yes. many years did they operate out of that location? I want to say very long time. They had been in business. I want to say maybe 20, 30 years, okay. a very long time. Okay. So they just wanted some capital selling their building and leasing it to the new owner is yes. a great way to get a lump sum for them and provides long-term rent for the new owner. Are there multiple locations for this company? No, this was this just this location. Okay. Yeah. And was it a corporate signed lease? Yes. Okay. So the only that. way they can get out of that lease is if they declare bankruptcy. Correct. Pretty much. Okay. So it's kind of a guaranteed lease. Mm -hmm. Is it triple net? Yes. Okay. Yes. Seems like a really safe investment. Yeah. Good. It's fairly safe. So now you've gotten a taste of multifamily as well as industrial. Sure. Are you looking to do your next deal into industrial or what was your next deal? So I've had two other deals since then. Both of them are multifamilies. The second one was in North Carolina. Also, that one was a class A multifamily, 300 and something units. And that was in March. April-ish of 2020. 
it's a class A property, as I said before. So the projections and returns on that one is a little bit lower because of the asset class. I should say the cash flow kicking off of it is a little bit lower. That's what I should say. But in terms of returns, it's a longer hold period. So that's about seven years. That's the longest that I've gone into compared to all the multifamilies I've invested in, in prior to that, as well as since that as well. And is that an 8% preferred return as well? Yes. Actually, no. The preferred return, I believe, was about 6 or 7% on that one. Okay. So it was well, a little bit lower. Coming off of your industrial, why would you settle for a lower return? So I think a couple things. I think that being able to diversify my portfolio, I think, is really important. So I have an asset that is generating cash flow which is industrial and maybe some of the class B. And specifically that other class B asset has both cash flow and appreciation. Whereas the class A asset is a little less on cash flow, but a little bit more on appreciation. And I also liked the fact that it was a better class of asset. So I had a C, I had a B, I wanted to get exposure to an A, understanding that the A would have less cash flow in the whole period, but potentially more in terms of appreciation on the back end. Then having industrial, which didn't really have a lot of appreciation play there, but a lot more on the cash flow side. And then months later, hair, my last one was hair in 2021, and that one was heavy on cash flow. So less on appreciation, back to class B and also an 8% PREF, but the average projected returns each year is between 8 to 9 sometimes even 10%, potentially, for this particular one. So just sort of diversifying my portfolio is how I sort of look at it. The Class A property, are they going to renovate that property, or is it just a buy-hold cash flow? Yeah, buy-hold cash flow. Okay. No big renovation play there. Are all of these with different operators? Yes. So why would you not do the same deal with the same operator? I think I'm still early in the cycle, my investing cycle, my investing career. So I'm still willing to experiment and willing to meet new operators and continue to build relationships to sort of see who the operators I have now. I still like them and potentially some of them I would potentially reinvest with. But I also just feel like the point at which I'm at now, I, th I feel like it's still very good to build relationships and get exposure to other operators. Got so, it. Yeah. It says that you're a GP in a fund. Tell me about yeah. that. So the 250 in Atlanta. So I had an investment with the main operator themselves. And then I also created a fund to invest in that deal as well. So myself and a couple of other people created a fund, half a million dollars to invest in the main. So that's how that fund was sort of set up. Okay. So you're the GP on that fund yes. and you raised money from others Correct. to pull Correct. into that. And how are you rewarded for doing that? What we did was we did a 95-5 split at our level. So 5% is the GP, 95% is LP. So that's how we were rewarded. So you basically get an extra 5% of equity on the deal. What do you mean by extra 5%? What is In that 5%, the 95 and 5? Yeah. What we did was we raised 500K from investors and then 95% of that money is invested into the deal. Okay. 
and that other five percent is stayed with the GP. So for things, which is you, correct. And that's yours. That's your commission, so to speak. Yes. Okay. What was it like to set up that fund? What were the hurdles you had to go through? The hurdles was the first time doing the PPM and subscription documents. Second hurdle is thinking about what's the best, safest way to distribute that information to your investors. So setting it all up in DocuSign, setting up a bank account. Our initial bank decided to close during the whole period of this asset finding a new bank. And that was challenging, but we did. We found a new bank. So yeah, I think those are the things. <laughs> but you figure it out. <laughs> and would you continue to grow that fund or do additional funds? So that particular fund is closed. It was okay. a single asset fund. So it was only an entity created only to invest in that particular deal. So now that that deal is selling, as I said before, then investors will get their money and etc. In terms of creating more funds, yes, I plan to create more funds to invest in more multifamily specifically, because that's what I know more. And that's what I've also invested in a lot from the passive perspective as well. And that's a great creative way to bring other people into the deal, but also be rewarded yourself. Yeah. So good for and you this for doing is, that. This is another reason why I like to invest with different operators as well, because it gives me exposure for when I am also thinking about creating a fund. I have these relationships with these other operators where I have already risked my own money and I've experienced was to work with them. And I know, okay, I trust them because they've taken care of me and I feel comfortable creating a fund with them. So I got to ask you this question. A lot of boxers and fighters, yeah. if they have a loss early in their career, they want a rematch. Would you ever go back to Grand Cayman and try to buy another rental property? Potentially. So here's the deal. I grew up around real estate. My father was a contractor, so he built 14 apartment units, which we still have. And we also have extra land there. So there's ability to build more. So but not the only buy, yes. like I'm, I'm hearing there's, yes. there's potential to build. It's just getting all my other siblings on the same page. Got it. So they're not ready for that yet. So that's why I'm like, I'm just going to go build my own business and we'll figure that out later. All right. Create a fund for your siblings and take down some land <laughs> and build some great rental properties down there. There you go. So the private equity company that you do accounting for yeah. and auditing, what have you learned from that? What are some of your big takeaways? I think for me, big takeaways is number one, simplicity. Complexity breeds a whole lot of additional work and expenses, costs that people don't always think about. And that can impact returns because when you add all these different structures to help people to come in, there's also a lot of cost that comes with maintaining all those different structures that people don't always think about and the time that's required to take care of all those structures that people don't always think about. I would say that's one of the things that I've definitely taken away from that experience. That's a great point. Lisa, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? I would say number one, get educated. And number two, take action even when you're scared. We'll get back to the show with the first some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. Do you manage your own rental properties? If you do, or if you're about to, I want to tell you about Rent Ready because I'm guessing they have some services that you wish you had. Rent Ready is a property management software 
that allows you to manage your business from your computer or phone. With RentReady, you're able to collect rent online and get paid. Find the perfect tenant with the built-in screening and listing service and get your leases signed with the click of a button. And tenants really love using RentReady's app too. They can pay rent using the card, ACH, cash. They can set up auto pay, get renter's insurance if you require it. And they can even build their credit score through RentReady's new credit reporting feature. And the best part, RentReady is unlimited. That's right. All this is flat priced. There's no tricks or hidden fees. RentReady is designed for investors who manage their own properties so that you don't have to worry about paying more for building your business. You can start managing and scaling your rental properties without scaling costs. And RentReady has given us an amazing deal to pass on to the best ever listeners. You can get RentReady's annual plan for only 54 bucks at RentReady.com when you use our special code BESTEVER. That's R-E-N-T-R-E-D-I dot com with the code B-E-S-T-E-V-E-R at RentReady.com to get RentReady's annual plan for only 54 bucks. Did you know that credit checks miss 85% of the information landlords and property managers need to verify new tenants? That's a problem. The solution is Rentify. Rentify provides a platform that allows you to instantly access prospective tenants' financial information and compiles it all into a quick and easy-to-read report to help you select the highest quality tenants. You can access income, payroll, past rent payments, non-sufficient funds, and overdraft history all in one place. Rentify's reports instantly verify the full financial picture of the tenant, so there's no chance of being duped with false information. No one likes to be duped. And the best part is that you can have it all at your fingertips in as little as five minutes. Go check out Rentify at TrustRentify.com and stop wasting time and start fast-tracking the tenant screening process with confidence and ease. With Rentify, you'll no longer have to waste hours or even days collecting all the information you need to verify a tenant, which makes life easier for you and your applicants. Visit TrustRentify.com and use the promo code FAIRLESS for 25% off your first purchase. That's T-R-U-S-T-R-E-N-T-I-F-Y dot com and put in the promo code FAIRLESS. That's my last name, F-A-I-R-L-E-S-S, for 25% off your first purchase. Lisa, are you ready for the lightning round? Yes, I am. All right, let's do it. Lisa, what's the best ever book you recently read? Best ever book I recently read is The Hands-Off Investor. And what was your big takeaway from that book? Big takeaway is same thing, education. (laughs) He really lays out how to be a hands-off investor, but how you need to educate yourself and learn about the process. And it's so important. Lisa, what is the best ever way you like to give back? I would say that my best way that I like to give back is having calls with other entrepreneurs and sharing pitfalls that I've had along the journey that can help them to keep moving in their business. So almost like business strategy with fellow entrepreneurs. And Lisa, how can the best ever listeners reach out to you? Best way to reach out to me is on my website, lisahilton.com. And that's Hilton with a Y. So it's just like the hotel with a Y. And then I also have a freebie, which is the same Lisa Hilton 
com forward slash ebook. Just a quick ebook on beginner's guide to investing in real estate syndications. Lisa, thank you so much for sharing your experience today. You started out with investing in a property right in your backyard and it didn't go the way that you wanted to, but you didn't let it keep you down. You kept at it. Your first syndication return wasn't what you expected as well. You got hit by COVID, but you're starting to win and you've had a lot of wins under your belt already. And now you're giving back and educating others. So thank you so much for sharing your experience and your story today. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Best ever listeners. Thank you for joining us. Have a best ever day.